Hi, welcome to the first ever episode of Far Too Opinionated. My name is Peyton James. This is my third attempt at starting a podcast because I tried to do it when I was younger and never released them. So this is attempt three and I'm going to release this one. I'm making sure of it. So about a month ago, I sat down and I made a whiteboard of every TV show and movie live action let me say uh not animated except for what if <laughs> um every live action movie and tv show that marvel has ever released um but it's in timeline order and i was like you know what i like to talk a lot fuck it let's make a podcast about this marvel stuff because i'm in love with it it's it's so much fun and no one in my life wants to listen to it so why not talk to the void so far too opinionated uh at least season one is going to be about the marvel multiverse uh the marvel cinematic universe of course as well as the universes attached to it so the the raimi spider-man movies the mark webb amazing spider-man movies the fox x-men franchise both sets of fox fantastic four movies well the second one was just one movie um the ghost rider movies agents of shield agent carter you know those shows because those are technically mcu it's still really confusing um all the netflix marvel shows you know all that fun jazz so i'm going to dive into that i'm going to break down the plot talk about some fun little easter eggs talk about my opinion on it and just talk about them so if we're going on timeline order of when it takes place, up first is Captain America, the first Avenger, which was the fifth movie Marvel Studios released in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as the fifth movie in phase one as the build up to the Avengers. Captain America, the first Avenger was released on July 22nd, 2011. It was directed by Joe Johnston and it was starring Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, Sebastian Stan and Hugo Weaving, respectively as Captain America, Peggy Carter, Bucky Barnes and the Red Skull. And just let me get this out first. So I love this movie. Um, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites in the MCU. After I go through and do all of this, I'm going to rank them uh as like the little season finale that is so far out because there's so much for me to do but um yeah i like this movie a lot i think it was a good building block to set up the mcu um it is um so you know a lot of people like to shit on the incredible hulk and iron man 2 but this is my um second to least favorite phase one movie <laughs> um after Iron Man. I do not like the first Iron Man movie. Obviously, I'll get in. Okay, hold on. No, let me correct myself. I used to not like the first Iron Man movie. And since starting this multiverse uh, rewatch, I've gained a new respect for it. And I do like it a lot. But I still think it's my least favorite in phase one. Um, I don't know. We'll see after I rewatch it again for this and go deeper into it. So Captain America, the first Avenger, starts out in the present day where researchers in the Arctic Circle are discovering wreckage of an aircraft, which obviously is the aircraft that Steve Rogers, Captain America, drives into the ocean at the end of the movie. 
but they're investigating inside the plane and they find cap's shield and then the marvel studios uh little banner plays with their dun 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 little logo and then we jump back to march of 1942 and see hydra forces that are led by johan schmidt aka the red skull which i will be referring to him as the red skull for the rest of this um they are in a church in tonsberg norway which eventually becomes new asgard in the future which is like it's cool because you're seeing these little setups you know so far i i don't think that they plan to go that far with thor um starting all the way back in phase one um but it is cool seeing little flashbacks so they're in tonsberg norway they are looking for the tesseract aka the cosmic cube aka an infinity stone which obviously the infinity stones are the building blocks to thanos and the end of uh the infinity saga and so they're looking for the tesseract it has an immense amount of untold power and after finding the tesseract red skull kills a guard that was guarding the church they were in as well as everyone else in the village so then we flash to 1943 in new york and steve rogers is once again trying to enlist in the military for the fifth time and gets rejected once again for the fifth time due to his small uh very small physical appearance and his lots of health issues one of which we know for a fact is asthma so that's all like that happens really in the beginning of the movie steve goes to the movies after getting rejected gets to a fight in the alley after pissing off a man in the movie theater who is like anti-american and we get to hear steve say his iconic i could do this all day for the first time which obviously he repeats so many times um i believe four to be exact um further down in the mcu uh, before he retires in Endgame, which, and then we hear Captain Carter say it in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I think is cool. Um, I think that it's like something, so let me say, before I get further into the breakdown of the plot, that I think that the three leads in this movie, so who I would, uh, say are, uh, Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, Sebastian Stan, their characters I think, aside from Tony Stark, obviously, have the best um, character development throughout the Infinity Saga. And people might think I'm crazy for saying Haley Atwell, but she shows up more than one would immediately think or maybe even remember. And the Agent Carter show is really good. And I regret not watching that um, in the past. I just watched it for the first time recently. But so... I just wanted to throw that out there that i think that their character development is insane and getting to see like the little seeds planted for who they are as people uh in this very first movie is really exciting but so steve gets into the alley fight says i can do this all day bucky saves his ass and then bucky says they're going to the future and they go to the stark expo which has some really cool easter eggs um howard stark is presenting a car at the stark expo which uh later on down the line ends up becoming uh phil colson's car lola in the future um there's also um something really interesting which i feel like every marvel fan knows about it at this point but there is a glass um case i forget what it says on the case but it says it's the original human torch from the comics who was 
like this android that would catch on fire that was his powers and he would fight against namor who we're gonna get to see in black panther wakanda forever which i'm very very excited about but obviously they have this little easter egg reference in there because his name is the human torch and chris evans before playing captain america played uh johnny storm the human torch in the first two fantastic four movies that fox released in 2005 and 2007 which is a cool little reference um i think it's it's like one of the first of many easter eggs that the mcu builds up and builds upon you know in coming years so while they're at the expo um steve and buggy get into a conversation about how steve just really wants to fight and steve is going to try and enlist again and after overhearing the conversation dr abraham erskine i'm so bad at saying that name i literally reading my notes in front of me and every time i try and pronounce his name not working but so he you know kind of throws out that steve is like lying and just trying really hard to enlist and seeing that steve is like very persistent about this i think he just sees a good quality in him and he offers steve an opportunity to enlist as a candidate of project rebirth which is of course the super soldier project the experiment which is being conducted by the ssr the strategic scientific reserve which peggy carter later works for which then gets well no i guess she's technically working for it now um the peggy carter works for which eventually becomes shield that she starts with howard stark so this project is under the supervision of Erskine, uh, Chester Phillips uh, from the Army, and Peggy Carter. So then we see Steve at basic uh, training at Camp Lehigh, which we also revisit uh, in the future of the MCU a lot. And uh, Chester Phillips from the Army, he is not very um, confident that Steve is the right person for the super soldier serum because you know of his health issues and his small appearance and everything but then you know during basic uh he does a full 180 with his belief when a fake grenade is thrown on the ground and every other soldier in training turns around and runs but steve jumps on it and that's another big character moment in this movie you see the building block to who Steve is as a person because he is willing to sacrifice himself for all these other men who belittle him, berate him, and he's willing to risk his life because all he wants to do is fight for his country. So Chester Phillips is convinced that Steve is the right person. So then they go on to give Steve the super soldier serum and the night before they do the treatment so uh the doctor I'm just gonna call him that going forward so I have to try and say Erskine well is that right that time whatever he tells Steve that you know Johann Schmidt the Red Skull uh also uh underwent the procedure and he had a he had really bad side effects not only due to um him getting like a flawed version of the super soldier serum but also because of who he is as a person he craves kind of like power and he wants to be seen as someone who's more than man more than human and you know dr erskine i can say it i guess um <laughs> he reassures steve he's like hey you know you're a good person you don't have those flaws that 
Johann Schmidt has as a person in his character. So Steve goes under. Um, he gets the serum. But before we see him get the serum, we do flash back to Europe. We see the Red Skull with Arnim Zola. We see Arnim Zola for the first time in this scene. Um, and he does play a part um, in the future of the Infinity Saga, uh, specifically in Winter Soldier. But they're using uh, one of Arnim Zola's machines and they've managed to get it to harness the energy of the Tesseract. And they're planning on using this energy um, to fuel all kinds of weapons that Arnim Zola has created. But Red Skull has figured out where Dr. Erskine is and he sends an assassin to kill him. So then we flash back to the lab and Steve is getting the super soldier serum. He goes in uh, and he comes out and he is much taller, much bigger. Um, and someone that's watching the procedure happen with Steve reveals themselves to be uh, Johann Schmidt's assassin and they kill Dr. Erskine he grabs the last file of the serum and runs out of the facility. So after doing that, Steve, after that happens, Steve immediately takes off into the streets in New York, chasing after him, manages to slow down and stop the assassin. The assassin then kills himself by using a cyanide pill uh, so that he can't be interrogated, obviously. And just a fun little fact, we will, I'll mention it again in the next episode, but in Agent Carter, I believe it's season two, when trying to get information, there's a there's a character that gives a prisoner a cyanide pill and was like, thanks for the information. Take this. You're dead. Um, which I don't think that that was like an intentional thing. Like, Oh, let's call back to the cyanide pill and, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, because it is a real thing. But I think it's just like a fun little reference that I not reference, but connection that I picked up, uh, watching these. Um, but so at this point, Dr. Erskine's dead. The super soldier serum is gone. The, SSR gets ordered to join the war and engage Hydra directly. So, however, Steve is left uh, behind that allows scientists to study him. Uh, and in this scene, we see something really cool where they take multiple vials of blood to be tested on. And we later find out, way later on down the line in The Incredible Hulk, that uh, General Ross's serum is an attempt to recreate Steve Rogers super soldier serum with his blood. So this is, you know, a, just like a, it's like the building. I just, I mean, shout out Kevin Feige, honestly, like he, he really knew what he was doing. He still does. I have so much respect for that man with the connections and their little references and everything that's inside the MCU. So, Steve gets tested on. The scientists uh, take everything they need from him, and he uh, is given the opportunity, I guess we'll call it, to tour the country for the USO to get war donations. Um, they're trying to use him as an image and as a, a sign, you know, to rally the country, which, you know, was a real thing during World War II. They used that propaganda. Um, not just America, like, I mean, Germany did, even Germany did against Jews. Um, but I think this is really cool. Um, because I feel like a good, it, I feel like it's a good reference to, um, the, the, we can do it poster, the, cause that's still like a strong, um, image for women today. I forget the name of 
what she's supposed to be what her name is of the the woman that's depicted on that poster i 100 forget but so while he's on the tours steve is like performing in these like stage shows and as the tour goes on he gains a lot of popularity amongst america because he is this image for the society and so then because of that they have him feature in different like movies comic books uh just all kinds of different propaganda and he's happy that he's like helping out with the war but it's not what he wants obviously he doesn't want to be paraded around he wants to um have a more like specific direct role in the war so then we flash and we see that red skull has a shit ton of tesseract powered weapons and there's three nazi officers that are like sent to like watch over everything but red skull uses one of the weapons to kill all of them and you know he reveals that germany is the list is part of the list of his targets he then in this moment declares his secession from the third reich claiming that hydra is not going to get any bigger in the shadow of adolf hitler um fuck hitler i don't know why i felt the need to say, i mean like really fuck hitler piece of shit um but yeah they will now be following his agenda so hydra is still working on getting energy from the tesseract and using it to create all kinds of shit ton fucking weapons and also integrate some of those weapons into vehicles and all kinds of different technology um and it's giving them like a very quick upper hand if that makes sense so then we cut to november 1943 steve is on um tour <laughs> uh he is performing for active servicemen oh i 100 percent forgot to mention i can't remember if it's in this scene or the initial tour scene but steve uh is flirted with by a woman in the crowd who is played by the same woman that ends up playing uh, Margaret Quill, Peter Quill's uh, mother. And on Twitter, James Gunn confirmed that that's uh, Peter's grandma, which I think is cool. Um, Obviously, that wasn't intended because James Gunn was like, in this moment, like, yeah, I'm deciding that that's his grandma. But now after She-Hulk episode three, which that came out yesterday. So I'm recording this episode on Friday, September 2nd. she-Hulk episode three came out yesterday, but episode one, uh, it's revealed that by Hulk that Steve did lose his virginity on the U.S. tour, U.S.O. tour. Um, so like, there's this like little theory going around that maybe <laughs> uh, Steve Rogers lost his virginity to uh, Peter Quill's grandma, which is funny. It's cool. Uh, just a thing. Like, I feel like that's another thing that a lot of Marvel fans know, like the Human Torch reference that like that that's like a big Easter egg. Uh, in the first movie, even though it was probably never intended to be. Um, anyways, so Steve's on tour, and he finds out the Bucky's unit was taken in the battle against Hydra, and Steve's being told um, that Bucky's dead. He refuses to believe that, and he's determined to just do a solo rescue mission if he has to, and he gets help from Peggy as well as Howard Stark. They fly him behind enemy lines, and he sneaks into Hydra's big old factory uh he finds and frees like most of the captive soldiers um they begin a riot start escaping and steve is still trying to find bucky who he then finds in a completely separate room and 
he's being operated on, which I, I know that Bucky does not become the Winter Soldier until after he falls off the train later on in the movie. But I feel like this is low-key a hint. Um, if it's supposed to, like, obviously be a hint towards him becoming the Winter Soldier, sorry, I'm not the brightest. We're not going to talk about it. Um, but so, when Red Skull sees all the prisoners escaping and Steve moving throughout the factory or whatever he sets it to self-destruct um because he wants to cover up what hydra's been working on and he wants to evacuate get to another uh base they have and as the beginning building begins to explode and everything um red skull uh confronts steve on this like catwalk and he makes comparisons about who they are uh because of the super soldier serum and he believes that him and Steve have risen above normal people, that they're better than people. Um, kind of the same mindset that Magneto has about mutants. Um, but he then, of course, takes off his face. His, it, it's a mask and shows his red skull obviously how he got the name the red skull um another fun little thing is earlier on in the movie when we first see uh red skull working with arnim zola you can see his skin mask tucked behind his ear if you look close enough which i think is really really cool i forget where i heard that at but now every time i watch the movie i can't unsee it anywho <laughs> um red skull arnim zola they managed to escape uh steve uh takes Bucky up to the roof and they both barely get out um and then they regroup with the uh soldiers that escaped and they start marching back to base so and then after all the uh prisoners have been freed uh Steve gets immediate respect and acknowledged that he's a soldier you know he's given high rank immediately and he gets to fight as Captain America so like quick little thing so I'm in the army um it just blows my mind like i know this is fiction and rank and how you rank up and everything back in the 1940s was completely different to how it is today but him becoming a captain immediately upon technically enlisting because he was not a service member he was just like on the uso tour is really funny to me i just it's like uh my friends joke about it sometimes that like like he probably thinks he's better than everyone because he outranks everyone um I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fun little thing. Uh, like, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not going to spend 20 minutes explaining the army rank system, but if you don't know it, captain is really high up. It's an 03, third, uh, an officer ranking. Um, anyways, <laughs> back to the plot breakdown. So, um, Steve gets to fight on the, the front lines, um, specifically against hydra directly so he gets to build his own team he has bucky dum dum dugan gabe jones jim marita who jim marita's grandson then becomes the principal at peter parker's high school fun little fact i don't know if everyone knows that that's something that i found out recently on twitter um james montgomery fallsworth and jacques danier i don't know how to pronounce that i forget it's on my notes though sounds French um and that's his team it's the Howling Commandos and they are tasked to directly take on Hydra and all their operations so this is when we get Steve's first real Captain America suit that Howard Stark makes for him as well as his shield his vibranium shield that he's synonymous with and so for the next two years 
Steve, Howling Commandos, they are just taking out Hydra bitches left and right. Um, and it's pissing Red Skull off. So we're in 1945 now, two years has passed, and the Howling Commandos um, attack a train that has Arnim Zola on it, and Bucky and Steve get into a fight with all the soldiers on the train. And during this scene, one of the saddest things ever happens, Bucky falls off the train to what we assume is his death. Um, obviously, he comes back as a Winter Soldier and has a really good character arc uh, in the uh, future of the Infinity Saga, but Steve is fucked up over this. <laughs> uh, his team, they capture uh, Arnim Zola. They get some slight information from him, but Peggy convinces Steve that she, that he needs to take this grief and this pain that he's feeling over Bucky's death and turn it into anger and use that shit, uh, use it as motivation to fucking take out Hydra. So he's like, bet. <laughs> so they find the last little Hydra base, attack it a little bit, and then Steve gets on the Valkyrie, you know, fun little reference there too, which is Hydra's like big ass bomber aircraft, and he gets on it right as it's taking off. So during the fight um, between Steve and Red Skull, the machine that has the test record, it gets fucked up, and Red Skull's like, let me, let me just use this by myself physically with my hands and ends up opening a wormhole in his base he gets sucked into it in a bright light and shoop, he's gone then the tesseract falls to the floor burns through the plane falls to the ocean so steve obviously doesn't see a way of crashing like landing this plane sorry without the bombs attached to it going off he doesn't want that to happen because it's going towards the u.s so he decides he's gonna drive into the ocean and him and peggy have their sweet little conversation about their date and their dance which is like super sweet super sad though and steve drives that fucker right into the ocean and is quote unquote dead so that's the last we see of steve in the past so then steve wakes up he's in a hospital room that's themed after the 40s and there's a radio broadcast playing of a baseball game and Steve knows for a fact that something's off because he was at the baseball game that's being broadcast on the radio and he fucking breaks right through the wall out of the building he's in and goes right out into Times Square and Nick Fury confronts him it's like hey you've been asleep for 70 years Steve is shocked obviously says but i had a date and that's how the movie ends so obviously we have a mid-credit and post-credit scene with the mid-credit scene it is uh supposed to be a year later or so uh nick fury goes up to steve and he's like i have a mission and it has worldwide ramifications steve's like bet uh and then the end credit scene is just a trailer for the first avengers movie so that's the entire movie start to finish um like i said before i really enjoy this movie i i, I don't know where i'd put it in a ranking because i haven't even attempted to rank mcu projects thus far um but i think that the biggest thing from this movie is 
the beginning to a lot of important character arcs uh, for the future of the MCU. And man, Kevin Feige is a genius. Like, I just, I know that, um, it's just, I just, I really don't even know what to say. I just like thinking about the interconnected tissues of everything, you know, about the MCU that was worked on for years and pre-planning and then they managed to in four years build to the Avengers and DC tried to also build to the Justice League in four years and failed but DC is also not the brightest it's just you look at because I mean before um the MCU Iron Man Captain America and Thor weren't necessarily huge characters uh especially not iron man he was not like a huge selling character because when you it's oh, marvel's big three what i believe is has always been spider-man wolverine hulk point blank and the x-men have always had really good selling comics the avengers not as much and now they're like it's the biggest movie franchise of all time and obviously i'm not breaking everything down in release order so this isn't the very beginning iron man was the very beginning this was the fifth movie after um iron man uh hulk iron man 2 and thor and then avengers happened afterwards but it's still like you can tell that it's early mcu um i know there's not a lot of humor in it which i know that's a big thing uh right now people are dissecting the humor in the mcu saying that it's you know it's ruining it I don't necessarily agree with that. I like it to an extent, but I think that it has been overdone in certain projects. But that's a completely different tangent that I don't need to do right now that I will do um, when I get to some of those projects that don't necessarily have good humor, but have a lot of humor. So before this episode's over, I am going to break down the Agent Carter one shot before I get into both seasons of Agent Carter and episode two. So the Agent Carter one shot um, opens with Peggy. She is working at the SSR. This is roughly a year after the events of the first Avenger. It's the fourth Marvel one shot uh, to be released. And it was on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray. Obviously, it was just to set up her show. Um, but it's still, it's nice. I think it's it's a cute little one-shot. It's, like, about seven minutes long. So, basically, she's working for the SSR, which, like I said before, eventually becomes S.H.I.E.L.D. She's battling sexism um, because she's a data analyst and codebreaker um, under the command of someone named John Flynn. So... The SSR is investigating a case of this thing called the Zodiac Serum, but Flynn refuses to let Peggy join uh, the fight for it, believing that she's, like, not competent (laughs) to do anything to help them. So then one night, um, all the other agents go out for drinks. Peggy is left alone to clean up the office, and then there are, like, hotline rings, and the person that calls directs her to a location of the Zodiac serum and suggest to assign a team of like three to five people for the mission and peggy's like no fuck that i'm going by myself goes by herself brings her little weaponized briefcase with her and when she gets there taxes shit to the guards handcuffs one of them to a fence no she handcuffs him to a pipe and tells him to scream for help uh so two big old guards that are like huge uh show up peggy 
takes both the motherfuckers down and then you get to the room where the serum is throws in a smoke a smoke bomb to uh take down what she thinks is the last card um and then grabs the vial of the serum that has a strange symbol on it but then there is one last big old guard that's uh has on a gas mask uh so he's not affected by peggy's gas bomb they fight and then it looks like peggy is about to lose the fight she reaches over grabs a knife out of her tactical briefcase stabs the shit out of him and then we see peggy back at her office um she's getting disciplined for acting out of line not following orders blah 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 and then the phone rings and john flynn answers it it's howard stark and he says the mission was more of a notch in carter's belt than a feather in her cap and informs flynn that carter is to run shield with him uh flynn brings her the news uh, with the wording that howard stark chose to let her know you're honored to bring her the news um, asks if she needs help carrying her stuff out of the office. Peggy says no. And um, we see Howard Stark sitting at a pool with Dum Dum Dugan. And um, they talk about bikinis. Um, so that's the Agent Carter one shot, which, like I said, I like it. Um, um, I think I've seen all the one shots thus far. Uh, and I mean, they're cool. They they're just little like in between little filler stuff so this is like the little in between uh with the uh, captain america the first avenger and the agent carter show what i'm lost on is the timeline though i have it set before the agent carter show because in agent carter she's uh, she's an agent you know she's actually like working as an agent for the ssr but this ends with her back in her like small position at the ssr so no i'm sorry the one shot has her in her like small position at the ssr not as an agent just as like the code breaker is what the title she's given and then at the end of this she is sent to go run shield so i'm like lost somewhere this is supposed to be i'm sure it's at some point um like maybe like a, a few months or like a few years after uh the agent carter show but from all I can find, it's the it's it's right before the show, um, and that's on a few different like timeline videos I watched on YouTube as well as my own personal little research and shit. When I was putting together my initial whiteboard thing that I wrote down, that I, it's literally sitting right next to me. Um, it's like over thirty one thousand minutes of content. But so, so yeah, uh, not sure where the one shot fits. Makes most sense before both seasons of agent carter so that is the first episode um i really appreciate anyone that listened um i will be back in episode two to review both seasons of agent carter i'm really excited um to review both seasons uh be able to go more in depth and like an episodic thing because uh there's i think in total 18 episodes and they're all an hour long so it's a lot longer <laughs> the next episode is probably going to be a lot longer but but yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. Um, like I said, thank you to anyone that listened. This is Far Too Opinionated. My name is Peyton James. I have lots of opinions, um, and I believe I'm right. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Peyton James or on Twitter at Peyton James with three S's at the end. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will be with you next time. And we will be going over Agent Carter, season one and two. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.